Hey, we're really excited to continue to talk through the idea of no more excuses. Obviously, Derek needs to read that book maybe a few more times and, and learn how he can own up to failures with coffee. And I had talked to him and asked him to bring coffee, and he said that he didn't think he wanted it. Uh, that's not totally true. <laughs> Total transparency, I have never had a cup of coffee in my entire life uh, and don't intend to either. And same, same for Derek, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe it's uh, Colin's fault back there, but we'll see what we can do in the future. Hey, as we talk about no more excuses, the whole idea of this study is that God has called each one of us to big things. And the enemy comes alongside us and is constantly telling us lies and trying to hold us back to keep us from doing the very thing that God has called us to do. And it's really an amazing thing. It's, it's really a humbling thing, an incredible thing that, that God allows us to take part in what he's doing. God allows each one of us to be part of his plan. He doesn't need us. There's nothing that I have to offer. There's nothing that you have to offer that God just has to have. God's not in heaven saying, oh man, look, look at this person's talent over here. If only we could use that for the kingdom. God doesn't need anything that we bring, but he chooses to, to, to look at us and to, to use our gifts for his kingdom. And the thing is, is that the enemy tells you otherwise and he puts all these excuses in your mind, but the truth is this, <clears throat> everything that God calls you to do, he resources you and equips you to do it. God will never ask you to do something and not give you the means by which to accomplish what he's asking you to do. And so a lot of times we, we think, oh, I, I can't do this or, or I, I'm, maybe I'm not able to contribute to the church because I don't have these gifts and maybe I don't speak or I don't sing or I don't, I'm not gifted in administration or whatever it is. These, all these excuses constantly going in our minds of why we can't do it. But the Bible teaches us that whatever God has for us, he equips us. And here's the incredible thing. It's God's plan and it's God's resources and he allows us to come in and be part of it. You know, I know if, if, I, was, if I was running the universe, I probably wouldn't rely on us to do this. You know, you got this whole army of angels who are going to do exactly what you ask, exactly when you ask it and they're gonna have great attitudes about it. But for some reason he chooses to allow us to be part and that's really an incredible, incredible honor and one that we should not take lightly. And we have to understand that the enemy, each one of us has an enemy that is actively seeking to destroy each one of us and is trying to destroy the work that the Lord wants to do in your life. And so tonight we're gonna to talk about no more holding back, no more holding back from what God has called us to do. And we're gonna be challenging ourselves and we're gonna be challenged by scripture to go and to take the things and to take action where God tells us to take action. Before we do that, I wanna uh, jump to the tables, and I want to remember back to last week. If you were here last week, Derek talked about no more hiding behind the past. And each one of us have things in our past that the enemy's constantly going to speak into our ear and say, "Hey, you remember this thing? Man, God can't use you. Look at that. Look at that failure. Look at look at this. You didn't take this opportunity. You didn't obey me there. I, I know. I remember. I remember the story uh, very clearly, and, and I think about it often. I, I was going to some classes uh, at Union University one time. They had an extension campus in Germantown or in Collierville. And I was going there Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and I was taking a course on evangelism. And every time I, I was real health, health nut, I would always go to the Walgreens beforehand and get myself a Gatorade and a, and a Hershey bar, like every single week. Uh, and I would always get it. And I was running late to evangelism class one night, and I was one inside this, this Walgreens, and there was this seemingly homeless guy sitting outside. And as clear as I've ever heard, the Lord said, hey, share the gospel with him. And my excuse, I'm running late. To, I'm running late. I can't. I don't have time for this. As I walked into Walgreens to buy a 
a Gatorade and a Hershey bar to then leave and go to an evangelism class. And so it's such a, a ridiculous situation looking back, but that's something that the enemy always puts in the back of my mind and says, hey, you know, you can't be effective in evangelism. Look at that. The Lord told you to do that. It was such a clear opportunity. And look at that. And I, I can hide behind that and, and use that as an excuse and continue to, to allow that failure of the past to prevent me from following the Lord in the future. Or I can say, hey, I'm not going to hide behind that anymore. That's something I did. I'm going to own up to it. But I'm going to move forward and seize the moment that the Lord has given me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go around your table and just ask this and discuss this question. What are things in your past or our past in general, whether it be a specific story like I just told or just a general thing that we as people experience, what's something in your past or our past that can keep us from moving forward? What are the things that the enemy can put and use to prevent us from doing what God wants us to do today? So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll be back in about five minutes. All right, we'll go ahead and continue. I hope that as you guys are talking through some of this, that maybe you're hearing some of the excuses and things in the past that that are being called out and that you're able to, to see through those lies that the enemy's placed before us. You know, these are all things that we all face. There's no, there's no temptation, there's no excuse that's unique to any one of us. The, the, same, the devil has the same attacks that he throws at every single one of us. And sometimes talking about those exposes them for what they are and for the lie that they are. You know, I do not know what God is specifically calling you to do in life. You know, we talked about God is really calling each one of us to action. And in terms of what you're supposed to do, that's really between you and the Lord. The Lord will, will tell you that as you seek the Lord and as you spend time with him and as you grow in your relationship with him, God will reveal that to you and show you how you are to take action. But ultimately, regardless of what God has called you to do, he has called you to take action. God has not called us to, to be on the sidelines. God has not called us to, to be apathetic or passive in the way that we're living our lives. I once heard a pastor say this, talking about specifically men uh, in terms of their lives and the, and the balance of their lives. He said that the majority of men that he sees mess up in life and get in trouble and, and fall apart all have one thing in common, is that they weren't busy with the right things. They weren't engaging their time and their energy in what God told them to, to do. And he said this, if you're, if you're currently working, then you need to give it all. When you go to work, God doesn't call you to, to just kind of coast by and just give the, do the least you can just to get by, just to get by till Friday. God calls us to be all in and to work as unto the Lord is what the scripture says. Same if you're married, God calls us to, to love our wives just in the same way that Christ loved the church, even being willing to give up his life for the church. If you have kids or grandkids, we're called to pour everything we have into that next generation in order to raise them up and prepare them for what the Lord has for them and to pre prepare them with a defense for the attack that's coming against them because the enemy is a roaring lion walking around constantly seeking anybody that he can devour. And going after children is a great way to do it. And so as parents and grandparents, we're called to pour everything we have into, into our kids and grandkids and to the next generation. And on top of that, we're all called to, to share the gospel and to spend time with the Lord and be about the kingdom work that God has called us to do. And so what this pastor was saying is that usually when you see a guy fall or, or mess up, it's usually because he's not going all in. He's bored. He has extra time on his hands. And he just, he, it's in that boredom, it's in that, that empty time that mistakes usually happen. And he said this, he made this argument, and I've, I've always, always thought of it. He said, every man should go to bed every night completely exhausted. 
He said, if you go to bed and you're not tired, if you're not wiped out, then you left something on the table that day. And that's not what God has called us to do. God calls us to lay it all on the table every day, go to bed exhausted, wake up and do it all over again. Now, obviously there are times and seasons of rest and, and God gave us the Sabbath, the idea of the Sabbath in order to restore ourselves. So God isn't calling us just to go 100% all the time, all the time. But as for a regular rhythm of our lives, we shouldn't go to bed not tired. What he was saying is you should go to bed completely and totally exhausted every single night. I want you to listen to this. What God, When God first created man, listen to the, the challenge and the, the command that God gave him in Genesis 1, 28. He said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Man was created to fill and to subdue the earth. And that's hard work. That's not something that you just do casually. I don't know if anybody here gardens. I have started two or three gardens in my in my backyard and I have mowed over every single one of them in frustration because it is a lot of work and it never seems to work. And the sun is never quite where you need it to go and then something always happens or your, your one dog, now my two dogs, maybe three dogs always mess it up and, and you always run into these situations where it's just hard work. And God has called us to subdue the earth and to rule the earth and to have dominion over it and to fill the earth and ultimately to make people who are following in his, in his image and to create uh, people who are followers of Christ. And that's not a passive thing. That's a very active thing that God has called us to do. We have to push and not hold back. You know, God designed us to work. A lot of people, I think, associate work with the fall and sin a lot of times because uh, after, after man sinned and, and sin came into the world, the punishment was toil in the work. But prior to to the fall prior to sin, work was part of God's original good design for people. The, the passage we just read here in Genesis 1.28 where God tells them to, to fill the earth and to subdue it and to rule it, that's prior to the fall. This was God's original plan for mankind was to work and to be active. This isn't just an opportunity to see how quickly we can get to the end of the day so that we can relax and, and enjoy our time. God has called each one of us to an active pursuit of what he is calling us to do. I'm not a sports person. Uh, I probably watch about a third of five football games out of the entire year. I enjoy watching football. I just, I just don't have to watch it. But when I have a team, if you know, you always have to have a team. Any Green Bay Packer fans in the room? All right. Right here. We're coming back. This is the year. This last week was just a fluke. It's just, uh, we're trying to throw the, the Bears off this week and come at them and, and surprise them. But you look at, you look at sports, and, and there's really three levels, I think, in terms of, of people who are engaged in that game. And I think it's a good illustration for, for where many of us find ourselves. You have the, the people on the, the field who are going at it, and they're part of the action. And that's where God has called each one of us to be, part of the action of what he is calling us to do. But then you have people who are on the sidelines. Now, sometimes you're on the sidelines just to get that breather and to get that rest. But if you're always on the sidelines, then that's not a good thing. If you're, if you're with a player and you're always on the sidelines, then, then that's not a great thing in terms of your ability to, to perform and to, and to take action. And a lot of times I think we find ourselves there. We're, we're still part of the team. We're, we're still interested. We're still watching, but we're kind of laid back and taking a back step and a little apathetic about what maybe God is calling us to do. And we're cheering on the people around us, but we're not part of the action. We're not in the field. 
And then you have the, the third layer, which are the, the spectators, people and the fans who, who are, are rooting just like I am for the Packers. I know there's some more diehard Packer fans than I am here, but if the Packers lose to the Bears this week, I, I really don't care. I'll be honest. It's, it's not going to change the rest of my day. It's not going to change my week. But that's not where God has called us to be. God has not called us to just be watching what's happening in the world and, and what he has called us to do with, a, with a, the feeling of, yeah, I, I hope they win, but it doesn't really make a difference to me. Like, it's not going to change my tomorrow if they, if they lose. God has called us to be on the field and constantly pushing and not holding anything back, not, not going just to, just to get by, not just skating by, but doing everything that we have in order to do it. I love the challenge here that Paul gives in the New Testament to be on the alert in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Let's break that down. Be on the alert. We have to have our antennas up. We have to be paying attention. If you're on the, the field and you're not paying attention to what's happening, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hit. And you're going to miss an opportunity to advance the, the position of your team. In the same way, if we're in this life, if we're not paying attention, if we are not alert to what the Lord is calling, what's happening in the world, then we're going to, to miss an opportunity. We have to pay attention, to stand firm in the faith. This is both offensive and defensive. We have to be ready to take the faith forward, but we also have to be ready to defend the faith as people come against us. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it as we are staying alert and standing firm in the faith. And I love this part, just act like men. Just, you ever tell somebody, hey, be a man, grow up. Now that's not always the best advice. Sometimes there really is hospital care needed, but a lot of times it is good advice when, when people are, are fall down in, in a game, hey, just, hey, get up, just, you're all right. Just, let's just keep going. Just be a man. I love, I love that, that Paul includes that in there. Just, just be a man. And then last, to be strong. This doesn't mean that you have to be like me and just be lifting weights all the time. I don't, I don't really do that. I, I started back at the gym this week after three years off, and I'm really feeling it and could barely make it up those stairs just a few minutes ago. But that doesn't mean when he says be strong, he's not just saying be macho and, and go hunt things down with your, with your bare hands and lift weights all the time. He's talking about strength of character and strength and determination to do what God has called us to do. Be strong in your conviction. Be strong in what you're called to do. Be strong and take action. Don't hold back. If you've got something to offer, if God has given you something and has asked you to, to put it on the table, if God has given you an ability and a talent and has asked you to, to use it, you can't hold that back. You've got to move forward. You've got to take action. I see Coach Randy over here. So my, my son is on uh, Randy Baldock's t-ball uh, team this, this semester, or season semester. That shows you how much of a, of a sports person I am this season. And it's, it's really incredible to watch the way that he encourages these kids who are five and six years old to learn how to play baseball. And these kids are walking in, having no clue on the world what's happening. And I cannot tell you how many times I hear him say every Saturday and Tuesday, don't play in the dirt, don't play in the dirt, stop playing in the dirt. It's just constantly happening, and you say, hey, don't play in the dirt. You turn around, and you look back, and the helmet's somehow 30 feet away from them, and they're down playing in the dirt again. And it's just this constant call to, hey, don't play in the dirt. Pay attention. you got to keep your head up. A couple weeks ago, we were having a, a, a practice where we're warming up for a game, and there was a, a kid that was throwing it to first base. Uh, I don't remember which team it was on, but uh, I saw the ball go, and it hit the kid right in the back of the head. And why was that? Is because he was not looking at the ball. He was looking in the other direction. He wasn't paying attention. He wasn't alert. 
He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And that's where we face in our lives. When we're in our lives looking the other way and, and not paying attention to what God has called us to do, we're setting ourselves up to, for an attack of the enemy. We're setting ourselves up to fail and to, to not be able to do what God has called us to do. And more importantly, to be part of the work that God has given us the opportunity to be part of. And I don't know about you, but that's not something I want to miss out on. I don't want to miss an opportunity to be part of what God has called me to do. And so I want to stand firm. I want to be alert. I want to be and act like a man and to be strong in my faith. And as we, as we think about that and being alert, standing firm in the faith, acting like men, being strong, I want you to think about what are the ways in your life that God has called you to take action. I want us to spend a little bit of time around the tables and answering this question. What are ways that God has called us to take action? And look at, talk about these three areas. What are the ways that you're supposed to take action with your family? What are the ways that you're supposed to take action with your church? And what are the ways that you're supposed to take action in your workplace? Talk about that for a few minutes and we'll, we'll continue. If we're gonna take time to, to take action and, and figure that out, it all starts with understanding what we're called to take action with. You know, if you don't have the plan, if you don't know where you're going, it's hard to, to rush in and, and to do anything. And so I think taking time to discuss this and to think through this and pray through this and say, Lord, what are... What are you calling me to, to do and to be with my family? What are you calling me to do at my church and, and with my workplace and every other aspect and sphere of my life? Understanding and spending time to discover that is so crucial to then be able to jump in and to follow the Lord. And the good thing is, is that not everything that God is calling us to do is specific to us. There are certain things in Scripture that we are called to do. God calls us to, to be part of a church and to encourage one another to grow towards godliness and to, dis to, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And God calls us to, to love our wives and to, to lead our children well. And so not everything in, in scripture, uh, not everything that we're called to do and that we're called to take action on is a special revelation, a special assignment just for you. And so even if you don't know maybe what God is calling you to do in, in specific in certain areas, there are things that God is telling you in his word that he's very clear about. He's not hiding any of it. He's not trying to, to make it confusing or make you put the puzzle together in order to understand what he's calling you to do. And so there's always something that you can do better. We'll never get there. We'll never be all the way there until we, until we see Jesus and we're made like him. We'll continue to mess up. And, and God understands that and continues to offer grace but he calls us up to a higher standard every single day and calls us to action. What I want us to do the rest of this evening is to look at three very short, uh, very well-known stories in Scripture that help us to see times that men were called to take action and had opportunity to do what God has called them to do. In the first two examples, we'll see, we'll see that the guys did not do what they were supposed to do. They held back. They took the step back, and they let something happen that ended in a disaster. And this third one we'll look at is an opportunity where somebody saw an opportunity, they stepped up and they took action and did what God called them to do. The first one is right there in the beginning, Genesis chapter three. So we saw in Genesis chapter one where, where God called Adam to, to fill the earth and to subdue it and to work the earth and to, to, to rule the animals and to do all this stuff. And just a ch couple chapters later, this is what we read. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. <clears throat> and he said to the woman, indeed, has God said that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. 
But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. And she gave also to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loin coverings. I think the, the key phrase in that entire passage is this, she gave to her husband who was with her. Now, a lot of times we, we like to put all the blame on Eve for causing all this pain and all this sin and suffering in, in the world. And absolutely, uh, Eve is responsible for making the choice that she made. But I would argue that Adam is just as responsible, if not more, for the sin entering the world because he was the leader. He was the one put in authority. And the Bible says that he was where with her. And I have to imagine that maybe Adam had been eyeing this tree for a little while and, and wanting to take of it and, and wanting to, to find a way. And he saw an opportunity maybe where, where the uh, serpent was talking to and tempting Eve to do it. And, and he saw Eve going for this fruit and he, and he chose to, to step back and to, to let this happen because he wanted to do it. He wanted to, to look for an opportunity to do it, and so he was going to let things happen in front of him. He knew what was wrong. He knew that God had told him, do not touch that fruit, uh, or not to eat that fruit. And he knew what God had told him to do, but he chose to allow it to happen. And then when she did it, not only did he let her do it, she then handed it to him, and he took of it himself. And what we see there is that because Adam did not take the stand that he was meant to take, he did not take action, he held back with the authority and the leadership that God had placed on Adam in the garden as the leader of his family, we have all the things we have right now. It's a heartbreaking couple weeks in Memphis and just lots of, of tragedy going on and all of that ties directly back to that moment in the garden. You look at every heartbreaking situation that you'll face in your life in this, in this world, it all goes back to that moment where Adam and Eve chose to eat of that fruit and to disobey God. And now every one of us as a result have that sin nature and we continually every day choose to sin as well. And so we can't put all our blame on, on Adam and Eve because even today you likely have chosen to do something that God has told you not to do. And so, so often in our lives, we, we know what God is calling us to do, but we really, really just would rather look at this other thing or to do this thing and see what this is like over here. Instead of taking action, we hold back and we see where this gets us. Sin leads to death every single time. Another story in scripture, you guys know it very well. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, it says this, that it was in the, happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David, who was king, he sent Joab and his servants with him in all of Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David, King David, stayed at Jerusalem. Now you have to pay attention here. In the time, happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, King David stayed home. And he chose to not be where he was supposed to be. He chose not to lead his troops forward. He chose not to do the thing that he was called by his position to do. And he chose to take it easy and maybe, I've done enough wars and, 
and I, I've, I've fought enough battles. Maybe, maybe just this spring I could take, take a little time for myself. I could just relax a little bit. After all, I am king. I shouldn't have to do everything and, and look at all these people and they, they can do it. They can handle it. They've, and God will go with them. Why should I have to go with them? And as a result, you see here in verse two that it was the evening and David arose from his bed. He walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. And if you don't know the story, he ends up uh, calling her to, to come and she ends up getting her pregnant and they have a baby and, and he ultimately does all this stuff trying to hide it and trying to cover for his sin because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Years ago, we had a, a staff member uh, at Bellevue who was one of our pastors on our staff who ended up being called by God to the Middle East as a missionary. And many of you w- would know him, and this is probably uh, close to 20 years ago. And he was over there and, and doing very hard work, took his family over there, was doing very hard work for the Lord. And, and he sent a video back to the church one time. And he said this, I come to you tonight from the second most dangerous place on earth. And he named the country that he was in. And instantly you're like, all right, that is a dangerous place. So where's the most dangerous place on earth? I'd really love to know. He said this, I come to you from the second most dangerous place on earth. He named the country. He said, second only to this, anywhere you are outside the will of God. And that stuck with me. And, and it's, it's true. And ultimately you could go to, to uh, the Middle East. You could be in the middle of Ukraine right now where a war is happening. And if that's where God is calling you to be, then you're safer there than you are here. And wherever God has called you to be, that's where you need to be. You don't need to hold back. Maybe he's calling you to something hard and he's calling you to something that's uncomfortable. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe to the world, it doesn't sound very smart. Maybe God's calling you to missions. Maybe he's calling you to the Middle East. Maybe God is calling you out of a successful career into ministry where you're not gonna make as much money. You're not gonna have as much resource. You're not gonna have as much comfort in life. And maybe that doesn't make sense to the world. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, That is the safest and the best thing for you to do because God will take care of you. But David wasn't where God called him to be. And so instead of on the front lines of war, which would have been the second most dangerous place for him to be, he was in the most dangerous place he could be in his castle or his, 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 uh, it's not a castle, I guess. I don't know what they were in, his kingdom in Israel. And he was the most dangerous spot he could be because he was outside of the will of God. He chose to hold back and not push forward to take the action that God called him to take. Now, this third story is one that you guys know, probably one of the most well-known stories in all of Scripture. Most any child would know the story of David and Goliath. And I, I tell this story, I choose this one because we just hit on David here for making the wrong decision, but he makes a, a really good decision earlier in life. And that's the beautiful thing about God is that God gives multiple chances and, and God doesn't just throw people away because they mess up. My oldest son is named Asa. And we, we named him after King Asa in, in the Old Testament. And one of the verses that we pray for him all the time is this, the, the verse that says, now Asa's heart was fully devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. And we're praying that scripture that our son Asa, his heart would be fully devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. But what I love about that scripture is that that's how God described Asa, King Asa in the Bible. But if you look at King Asa, at the end of his life, he didn't trust the Lord. In fact, the reason he died is because he didn't trust the Lord. He trusted in doctors and consulted with doctors instead of going to the Lord. But at the end of his life, God looks at him and says, Asa's heart was fully devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. 
And what the Lord does is that when we make mistakes, he wipes over those mistakes. And he doesn't hold them in front of us. He doesn't remind us all the time. He doesn't say, hey, remember that time that you were supposed to share the gospel at Walgreens? God doesn't bring that stuff up. He looks at me and and it's hard to, to believe and even hard to say, but I believe that God at the end of my life is gonna look at me and say, Noah's heart was fully devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. And that's my prayer, that I will live my life in such a way that I'm always seeking him and constantly forgetting the things that lie behind and pushing forward to what lies ahead. And I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall. I'm going to make the wrong decision. But that doesn't stop me. And that's not the excuse for not making the next right decision and for holding back in the future. So God's people are at war and with the Philistines and there, there's a, a, a hill on one side, a hill on the other, a big valley running down the middle. And the Israelites are on one side, the Philistines are in the middle, and, and Goliath, who's nine feet tall, his armor, Bible says, weighed 125 pounds. This is a huge dude. He's coming down, he's taunting the people of Israel and saying, all right, hey, just send me one warrior. Send me your very best warrior. And if I win, then we'll take over everything you've got. If they kill me, then you've got us. But every day he's calling this and he's mocking the people of God. And he's mocking the God of Israel. And every day the Bible says that the troops of Israel were terrified and they were shaking and they ref- no, nobody was willing to go forward and challenge Goliath to the, to the battle because they did not believe that they could win. This is a huge dude and there's no way that they're gonna go up against this guy. And so David, who's too young to be in the army, he's back at home and and watching his father's sheep, ends up coming to the front lines in order to give some food to, to the troops and his brothers. And he's like, hey, who's this, who's this guy down here that's defying the, the armies of the living God? Who is that guy? Who gives him the right to talk about God like that? And he goes and, and he says, you know, we're, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna stand for this. And he goes to, to Saul and nobody else in the army was willing to go. And he says, hey, let no man's heart fall on, on account of him. Your servant, he's talking about himself, I will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're just a, a boy. You're just a young guy. While well, he has been a warrior from a long time ago. He's been a warrior since he was younger than you. And you're, you're a shepherd. God, you can't do this. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. What you see here is that you have a, a boy who trusted in the Lord more than he trusted in his own abilities and more absolutely than he trusted in the abilities of the world or of the enemy. He knew that, oh yeah, this looks bad, this looks huge, this looks impossible for us to be able to manage. But God is, is calling us to do this and, and if God has called us and, and God has, has led us this far, then he's not gonna allow this guy to wipe us out and so I'm gonna go take him out. And what he says is, hey, I've seen God save me before. I've, time and time again, I've seen God work, and this is gonna be no different. You see, faith is a muscle in a lot of ways. When you have a small faith, you take a little 
acts of faith and stretch that faith muscle and eventually it gets stronger and stronger until you're able to say, hey, that Philistine down there, that nine foot guy with 125 pounds of, of armor, that huge guy, yeah, that's no big deal. I've seen God take care of much bigger things. That's no big deal at all. And listen to what David would say later in his life. I have been young and now I am old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, let, or his descendants begging for bread. All day long he is gracious and he lends and his descendants are a blessing. What we see here is that David says, hey, if you trust the Lord, if you follow the Lord, he's never gonna let you down. He's never gonna fail you. You're never gonna get to a spot where God is gonna say, hey, I want you to do this. You're never gonna get there and not have the very thing that you need in order to do what he has called you to do. Now, it might not seem like it. David walked up to, to, to Goliath with what? A couple stones in his pocket and a slingshot. But he had what God wanted him to have He threw that stone and it did the work that needed to do. In the same way, when God calls you, he will equip you every time. He's gonna take your your meager talents and the, the few things that you have and he's going to do something incredible with it if you step forward and you take the action. But what the enemy is gonna call you to do is whisper in your head all the time and say, hey, just step back. Hey, let somebody else take this one. This one, you're gonna get hurt. This is gonna be embarrassing. Hey, you remember that thing in the past? You, you, can't, you can't do this. You'll fail. Remember that time that you... All that remember, that remember, that remember. And what God is saying, hey, remember all the times that I have never failed you. You remember the times that I have always come by. And we read the scripture and we see it in our own lives that God never fails. So I want you to spend a little bit of time around your your tables as we close. And I want you to discuss this question. Think about a time and discuss a time in your life that you were faced with a difficult situation. And how did you respond? I want to encourage you to be honest. Uh, if uh, We're not looking for just all the, the war stories where you ended up victorious and, and you made the right decision. We've all had hard situations where we've made the wrong decisions. Maybe we know God told us to share the gospel. We know God told us to do this, and we were afraid. Or maybe you want to tell a story of time where God did tell you to do something very uncomfortable. Maybe it was go on a mission trip or to do something you've never done or go talk to your neighbor and share the gospel, and you did it. What was that like? To spend a few minutes talking around your table, discussing a time that you were faced with a difficult situation, and how did you respond? In just a minute, Derek's going to come close us. All right, guys, let me, let me close our time out together this evening. I hope you've had good discussion around your table. I think this question will lead into next week very well because we're going to talk about no more compromising your integrity. And I think it's a timely, in the culture we live in today, subject. And so I hope you'll join us next week as we talk about that. I was sitting here thinking how many difficult situations I've been in my life and how many times I've responded in a good way and how many times I've responded in a bad way. And I had some really good ones that I, I thought, well, will I share this one? I'll share that one. Uh, and then I just, I just saw a guy that I was in a tough situation with, and I really made the wrong decision. And he's probably sitting here saying, I know you did. And it happened right over there underneath that basketball goal. And I'm not going to call him out, but there, he was refereeing the game. And I didn't like the outcome of the game. I'll just be honest with you. Okay, we were winning most of that game. We lost that game, I think, by a point. Now, I'm not going to – I wouldn't embarrass Randy for anything in the world, okay? I mean, I wouldn't do it. I would not do it, okay? But I think we lost by a point. And I came over here onto the bench, and I remember Jake Cartner was the guy's name. He's a good friend of mine. He said, you think you could just ask him why, why he made that call? I said, I'd be happy to. And I walked over there, 
And I'll be honest with you, you know, you know that whole idea of am I walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit? I knew as I was walking from there to there, I was walking in the flesh and I was walking big time in the flesh. And I said to Randy, can you tell me why you made this call? And as soon as I heard the answer come out of his mouth, I didn't like it. I turned around and walked off and that was the wrong decision. I made a wrong decision right there. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in the flesh and made decisions like that, but aren't you thankful that we serve a God that's gracious? We serve a God that's merciful, he's kind, he's loving, and I'm thankful Randy is too. I was thinking, as Noah was teaching uh, a couple years ago, Noah and I were having a conversation about God's mercy and his grace, and he was reminding me how when the Israelites were in the in the wilderness, that the Lord provided manna for them every day. They didn't have to store it up for the next day. They woke up and his manna was new every morning. And that's how God's grace is and his mercy. So here's what I, I don't want you to do. I don't want you to walk away and say, well, I've messed up my integrity, I've made some bad decisions, and let the devil keep beating you up. We are driving a stake in the ground tonight, and we're moving forward. And we're gonna talk next week about no more compromising that excuse of compromising our integrity, okay? So I hope you'll be back with us. And I really feel impressed to have coffee next week, okay? I've really felt that throughout the course of the evening, okay? So, so Nathan Stanfield's gonna make coffee for us next week, okay? All right, let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Father, we love you. Thank you for the time we've had together. Thank you for these men. God, I thank you for transparent conversations that happen around the table. God, I thank you for men that love you and desire to walk closely with you. God, I pray you will... Watch over these men this week. I pray you'll make your face shine upon them. I pray Satan will have no place in their life. God, I pray you'll be Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner over them. And God, I pray as Satan would want to rise up and defeat them, Lord, that they will stand strong. Lord, on your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that they will use your word as the sword that you've given them to stand up against the devil. Thank you, God, that you've given us a response when he attacks. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the time we've had together. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.